Today's reading is from Colossians 3, 18, 4 to 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Elaine. Now let's pray and then we'll uh, take a closer look at these words. Heavenly Father, we need your help as we uh, look at these words now. Uh, So we ask that you would uh, give us that. Please be at work in each of our hearts uh, by your spirit. Uh, Give us humility and and help us to hear what you would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this week is our uh, wedding anniversary and uh, our wedding day flew by. Some of the details are definitely a bit of a blur. But there's one thing from that day that I remember fairly clearly. Uh, the minister was, was up the front. Uh, we were standing in front of him. He was, he was telling us the vows and, and we were repeating them. And the whole reason you do that is so you don't forget or, or get confused. So the minister spoke and it was Lilia's turn to repeat uh, what he had said. And she was obviously quite overawed by the whole occasion because her response was, Wait, submit or commit? Uh, and there was, um, there was widespread laughter. We, we all lost it. The minister had, had no idea how to respond. Uh, and Lilia tells me it was an honest mistake. Uh, but she's certainly not the first, and she won't be the last, to stumble over the word submit. Uh, it's a word that we come across in our passage today, and it's a word that Paul uses to describe the way the Colossian wives are to live in the marriage relationship. A word that often causes a a knee-jerk reaction for a lot of people when it's used in the marriage context. Uh, And in that sense, it's not out of place in this section of the letter. Uh, There are three different relationships that Paul highlights in these verses. And what Paul says to each of them would have been extremely countercultural for for them at the time of this writing. Uh, Paul addresses three pairs of people, wives and husbands, children and parents, and slaves and masters. Uh, And the first of each of those pairings, so wives, children, and slaves, would have had very few, uh, if any, rights during those times. Now fast forward uh, 2,000 years, almost, and uh, much has changed in our society, but Paul's words continue to cut against the grain of our culture, albeit in different ways. And that's, our, uh, that's the challenge for us this morning, to understand Paul's words as he intended them for the Colossians all those years ago, and to see what they still have to say to us today as God's people. 
Uh, some of you here may have heard the reading and, and thought, well, that's not my experience of marriage or of my childhood or of parenting. Uh, some of you will have had uh, horrible experiences in those uh, three categories. Uh, if that's you, uh, I am sorry. Uh, and I hope that as we look at these, uh, as we look closer at these words, you'll, you'll find comfort in the Lord Jesus, despite any uh, current or, or past hurts. Uh, we've been working our way through the book of Colossians and we're nearing the end. Uh, we'll finish it uh, next week. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a part of the, the letter which is very instructional. Do this, do that. And we can miss the fact that these instructions to God's people are in fact his grace towards us. The grace of the Lord Jesus that we've all received when we came uh, to believe in him. And now uh, that grace flows into these different areas of our lives. Uh, and today we see God's grace towards us in this teaching on the household uh, and in the workplace, uh, workplace, which I'll explain later. Uh, so why don't we make a start? Uh, we're in verse 18, which says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Uh, and I want to start with the last part of that verse uh, as we consider what it is asking of a wife. As is fitting in the Lord. Uh, think of the Lord Jesus and his relationship to God uh, to help us. Uh, thinking of that will help us. Uh, when, you, when you think of God the Father and the Son, uh, they're equal. They are both God. But Jesus, the Son, submits himself to the will of the Father. So there's an equality there, but there's also a submission. He follows where the Father leads, all the way to the cross, to the grave, uh, and then back to the right hand of God. Now, in the marriage relationship, a, a similar thing is true. The husband and the wife are both equal in God's eyes, both valued, both chosen and holy and dearly loved by God, uh, as we heard last week. But the wife is also uh, called to submit to the husband. Now, the million-dollar question, what does it mean to submit? Uh, is it simply doing whatever someone tells you to do? Uh, in the New Testament, the word submit comes up in a few different contexts. Uh, in the book of Romans, it shows the role of good citizens and how they behave towards those who are governing over them. Uh, in Luke's gospel, it shows the role of soldiers. In 1 Peter, it describes how young people act towards their elders. And again in Peter, it refers to workers and wives. All that to show that uh, to submit is to acknowledge that there's a way that God has ordered things, uh, and often it involves one party having some sort of authority over another. Uh, we all have different roles, and in almost all areas of life we have different roles, uh, and in a marriage the husband has been given this role of leading uh, to love and care for the wife. Now often with these kinds of instructions, knowing uh, what it's not meaning can be just as important uh, as knowing what it is meaning. Notice Paul doesn't tell the husband to demand the wife's submission. Uh, in fact, it never says that in Scripture. It never says, husbands, demand that your wife submits to you. Uh, that's never the instruction. This is a call for the wife to willingly submit to her husband, as is fitting in the Lord. Now sure, as, as husbands, we can make that easier, uh, but from a wife's perspective, there will be times where this can be an incredibly challenging thing to do. 
There will have been instances where husbands have made it incredibly different, uh, difficult to even consider what Paul says here. Now, submitting doesn't mean following a husband into sin. In all our relationships, we're called to submit to God before anyone else. And that certainly applies in the the marriage relationship as well, and in the other relationships in this passage as well. Now, there will be times when your husband leads well, and maybe times when he doesn't, uh, if you are married. Uh, it's uh, It's not saying submit to your husband only when he does what you want him to do. Uh, And I take it that submitting doesn't mean a married couple won't discuss important decisions. It doesn't mean a wife won't gently and lovingly pull their husband up when they see him leading in an ungodly way. So that's submission, not a demand from the husband, but a voluntary recognition of the role uh, of the husband to lead, which is fitting in the Lord. Now husbands, before we nod our heads in agreement, uh, I believe what Paul says next is, is just as challenging, if not even more difficult. Uh, verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, we know from a passage like the one in Ephesians 5 uh, of the love that Paul might have in mind here. Ephesians, Ephesians 5, uh, 25 says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that's how husbands are to treat their wives. It's a sacrificial love that reflects Jesus' love for his people. Uh, In a couple of weeks' time, we'll have our Easter services and and we'll be taking time to think about the sacrifice that Jesus made to make us pure and holy and blameless before God. Now, the love that Paul wants husbands to show their wives is is one, uh, one that is sacrificial in that way. It's one that desires and does what is best for the wife, for their relationship uh, with the Lord. And again, this is hard. It's putting aside your own desires in life for the good of the other. Some of us don't spend enough time thinking about the seriousness of, of what we're called to in marriage. Promises are often made on wedding days, but we need to remember that this is a lifelong responsibility. Now, Paul adds, and do not be harsh with them. Uh, The marriage relationship, as I've said, is not always easy, uh, and many people will will attest to that, but when husbands face some of these these challenges in a marriage, uh, there can be a bitterness in us, a temptation to treat our wives in a harsh manner. And I think Paul is direct here because this is something a lot, if not all, husbands will, will struggle with from time to time. It's very easy in marriage to have lofty expectations of our wives. And when expectations aren't met, it can show in harsh words. Uh, You might feel, she's taken away all my freedom, or she doesn't appreciate all that I do for her, or she's not the woman that I married, or she doesn't submit to me, why should I love her? There can be a harshness in our language when we allow this type of thinking to take hold which is the exact opposite of of the love that we're called to. Again, I want to reiterate that uh, what Paul says to husbands here, it's not love your wives if they submit to you and do what you want. It's your role to love her. Now, I don't doubt that there will be incredibly, uh, this may be incredibly difficult at times, particularly uh, when we feel as though our sacrifices aren't acknowledged or or when other things are going on in life. But the instruction stands. Uh, 
Love your wives, do not be harsh with them. Now Paul has uh, addressed husbands and wives uh, very briefly. Uh, These two verses are are meant to go together, uh, and this is some of what God intends uh, for our marriages. Now what do you do if if you're in a marriage where you or your spouse are failing at these, or or your marriage has already ended? Uh, Well, for starters, look to Christ as is fitting in the Lord. Keep, keep looking to his example. He is the one who will teach us what godly submission looks like. He's the one who will teach us how to love uh, sacrificially and gently. Pray that God would bring about change in your life and in the life of your spouse. And remember the forgiveness uh, that Jesus offers us uh, if we come to him, if, if we have failed in these areas. So that's husbands and wives. Uh, The next pairing is children and parents. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Uh, In his second letter to Timothy, Paul writes that in the last days, children will be disobedient to their parents. And based on that, some of you will be completely convinced that these are the last days. Uh, Like with husbands and wives, it seems... Children uh, were those who had very few rights at the time of this letter. And so the fact that Paul addresses them directly is quite surprising. Again, God has ordered this world in a way that a child's obedience reflects God's desire for his people and his world. Uh, The reason given for this obedience is because it pleases the Lord. And perhaps this is something that's not valued enough these days when children are growing up. A lack of obedience in, in childhood leading to more difficulties later on in life. Uh, As parents, we we have a responsibility to teach our children obedience. Uh, And as a a church, we also want to support parents in that. I think that's something uh, a number of people I've I've seen around here do do quite well. Uh, The fact uh, that Paul says, in everything, uh, makes us a little bit uneasy, though. Because for some of us, our, our parents will want us to do things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. Paul's teaching here seems to assume that parents are acting in a godly way towards their children. And this is where we need God's wisdom. Uh, God takes no pleasure in in seeing his children sin. But learning obedience at a young age can help in living an obedient and useful life in the Lord. Now next, Paul addresses fathers, uh, verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. To embitter is to agitate or kind of provoke unnecessarily. Now, why doesn't he mention uh, mothers? It's not always the case, but but fathers tend to be the ones who exhibit this behaviour more often. Uh, What are some of the ways we might get this wrong? Uh, Certainly, there's a a call in the Bible to discipline our children, but doing it excessively and unreasonably or or out of anger, uh, lacking gentleness can have a bad effect. Uh, It can break the spirit of a child. Now, focusing only on our children's faults is another way, rather than encouraging them as as people who are created in God's image. Putting them down or or humiliating our children rather than building them up in the Lord. Uh, John Newton, the, the famous hymn writer, said this, I know my father loved me, but he did not seem to wish me to see it. I know my father loved me, but he did not seem to wish me to see it. Uh... Discipline is required in in parenting, but so is encouragement. 
uh, because children, children remember discouragements, uh, particularly if they come from a parent. So that's children and parents. The final thing that Paul addresses, uh, and interestingly uh, spends the most time addressing, is this relationship between slaves and their masters. And I'm going to spend the least time on this one, because Paul's said it all. Uh, for many of us in the West, this, this seems a world away. But I think the reason he spends the most time on it is because there would have been uh, slaves and, and masters among the believers in Colossae. And both of them would have been uh, amazingly uh, transformed by the gospel of Jesus. And that would have radically transformed their, their normal interactions with one another. In these next verses, uh, Paul shows why. Once again, he starts by addressing the group with the fewest rights, slaves. Paul has already spoken of their equality in Christ, uh, of slaves and and masters in verse 11. Now, some people estimate that around 80% of of the Roman population at the time would have been slaves at one point, uh, which is is huge. Slavery was widespread, but possibly a, a bit different to how we imagine slavery. Some of the slaves would have been responsible for for caring for a house, uh, while others would have been put in charge of businesses. Uh, Similar to what we see in the book of Genesis uh, with uh, with Joseph when he's sold into slavery. So what do we do with these verses? Well, slavery uh, certainly still exists, but not in our context. Uh, And what that could mean, uh, and while that could mean that there's very little to take from this last section, uh, there are certainly some principles that relate to earthly masters that we can apply to the way that we work. Now, the principle in verse 23 is to work hard regardless of whether your earthly master, your boss, is watching or not. Now, while I was at uh, university, I did a a temporary job over the summer uh, at a scaffolding company, and you could always tell when the the boss was on site or not, depending on how much work was being done. If the boss was there, everyone did what was expected of them. They, they worked efficiently, they worked hard, they wanted to be seen working hard. But as soon as the boss stepped off site to, to go to a meeting or something like that, the, the product, productivity just slowed right down. The breaks were longer. Now Paul's message to the Colossians is, is to avoid that kind of attitude because they are working for the Lord. If you're in Christ, you are working for the Lord. Our aim in work, whether it's paid or not, shouldn't be to cheat the system or to simply impress the boss. Our aim is to please the Lord. Even in the most basic of tasks, we should, we should do it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, in awe of God for what he has done for us in Christ. In your work, work to please the Lord. And do it knowing that one day you will be rewarded with an inheritance from him. Now, verse 24 uh, also mentions that it is the Lord Christ that they are now serving. I imagine that truth could change the way a number of us approach our work. Work not as though you're, you're serving others, but serving the Lord Jesus himself. Now, the flip side of this is in verse 25. If you're only working when the boss is watching, or, or half-heartedly, Paul says you will be repaid for your wrong, because God sees us. He says that there's no favoritism. If we wrong those we work for, it will come back to bite us. Uh, And finally, he comes to to chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul addresses masters. The principle here is, if you're an employer, you're in a position of authority, 
how you treat those under you matters. Employers, too, will, will answer for how they treat their employees. And, and if that's the case, then we will care about what happens to our employees. We'll take interest in their lives. Uh, so that's the Christian household and the workplace. This is what uh, God calls us to in our household and, and workplace uh, in order to flourish. Now, let me finish with these uh, words from Justin Martyr in the second century. Our Lord urged us by patience and meekness to lead all from shame and the lusts of evil. And this we have to show in the case of many who have come in contact with us, who were overcome and changed from violent and tyrannical characters, either from having watched the constancy of their Christian neighbours or from doing business with Christians. See, the way we live in the household and, and in the workplace matters. Uh, others see it and, and God sees it. We can honour God by living as he calls us to live here. Uh, so let me pray that we would. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for these words on, on the household and, and words that uh, apply to our work as well. Uh, and we pray that you would help us, help us to live faithfully in these different areas. Uh, we pray uh, for your help when we fail. May we know your grace and forgiveness at those times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.